You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. It is so good to see you all. It is so good to see you all. Um, so special welcome to our first first-time visitors and visitors that are here perhaps visiting um, for a second time. Special welcome to you. Uh, you're an absolute intrinsic part of this worship process and we hope that you, you not only enjoy the fellowship but that you especially enjoy your time um, praising and, and worshipping the Lord. If you uh, would please care to, we have these, um, these connection cards and uh, there's a good reason for filling that in, is because um, we get to, to know that you visited, we get the opportunity to, to send a note, and, um, and uh, I forgot to say, there's a gift for you at the back if you're a first-time visitor, so please, please check in, fill in a card, and again, you're very, very welcome. Um, with regard to life groups, we have, can I have a quick show of hands who's involved in a life group? Yeah. Wonderful. So in the bulletin, you'll see references to the life groups that are going on throughout the summer period. And uh, I think they're great. They, they are, you know, I'm, I'm involved in one of them. And uh, it really has um, created a greater bond in our friendships. And so really that's, that's partly what they're there for, but also to steer us into God's word, into a time of uh, sharing and praying together. Um, beyond that, there are groups also, as you'll see in your bulletin, that um, uh, are doing other things. There's, um, there's uh, I see here, Susan Grooms has got one for painting. I would love to do that. And um, so please check that out. Um, also, a lot of summer activities going on. I'm told that the internet is going to catch on one of these days. And that there are these things called apps for your, you know. Um, the church has a fantastic app, so download that, stay connected, and uh, from that you can see what's going on in, in our community. So, um, call to worship. Psalm 134. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to a holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Let's pray. Father Jesus, we, we are here and we are here as a body for you, Lord. We, we are here to submit ourselves um, in worship. We are here to submit ourselves in praise and uh, we are going to lift our voices, Father. And I pray that that is an act of pleasing for you. We ask for strength in this congregation as we lift ourselves and put ourselves before your cross this morning, a cross of um, eternal grace and forgiveness. We rejoice in the name of Jesus in this church and we thank you for all that you are doing in our lives, Lord. We rejoice again and we thank you. Amen. Good morning. It's time to worship through giving. I want to read a scripture this morning. This is from uh, 
2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We've been talking about money the last four weeks, and we have another week or two to go. And uh, believe it or not, God cares about your money. Uh, He cares about what you do with your money. He cares uh, about what your money means to you. Um, And so a lot of times people don't like to talk about giving. They feel like you're meddling, right? They feel like you're talking about something that's mine. And if you think about it, when a little child grows up, one of the first several words that they learn is mine, right? And then as we get older, that mine kind of carries through. It's not as obvious, uh, but it has to do with our wallet. And so we begin to think that's mine. And one of the things we need to remember is that God has made us stewards of his money. And everything that we have, everything that we earn, every ability that we have is because of God's blessing in our life. And so it's important for us to remember that. And it's important for us to learn how to become a joyful giver. And so my prayer continues for us as believers that we will become joyful givers. Now, if you're a new believer and you've got questions about giving, if anytime somebody talks about giving, it makes you squirm, makes you uncomfortable, I would invite you to to talk to one of the leaders you know in the church. There is a huge blessing. There is a huge joy in learning how to be a cheerful giver. And we would love to share that with you. It has nothing to do with trying to make a bottom line or make a budget. It has everything to do with you finding complete joy in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity you give us again to uh, worship you through giving. And Father, I pray that uh, these gifts that are given, uh, not out of compulsion, but out of a cheerful heart, would be used to further your kingdom. They would be used to spread your word and your gospel, and that people would uh, come to find your son, Jesus. And it's his name we pray. Amen. You know, even though... As little children, we say, mine, 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 this is mine, it's going to make me happy, it's going to make me happy. We find that through life that we still aren't satisfied by things in this world, right? We're all striving for things, but we find ourselves discontent. We're going to sing a little song that reminds you of this discontentment this morning. Hope you sing along. Incredible, are they not? (laughs) Now I know you find it hard to believe, but that song has everything to do with the message today. I mean, everything to do with the message today. If you're a guest here, I just want you to realize that God wants something for you. He does not want something from you, okay? As David talked about giving, and he talked about joy, um, God loves a cheerful giver. I know it's hard for some people to process that, that okay, the, 
the church wants your money, the pastor's preaching on money, all they talk about is money. But guys, that's not the case. God wants something for you. He wants to bless you. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your stuff. God is the creator God. He owns it all. But he wants you to let go. He wants you to say, Father God, everything I have and everything I am comes from your hand. That is where freedom is found. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. He goes on to say, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy does not want you to experience joy. The enemy does not want you to experience a full and meaningful life. I'll just tell you straight up, the enemy does not want you to be generous. He wants you to be greedy because there's no joy in being greedy. There's no life in being greedy. There's joy in generosity. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us today as we, we're almost finished with this series called Balance. We have one more message after, after this Sunday. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Father, we thank you that you speak truth and grace into our lives. Father, how, how difficult life would be if all we heard was truth, truth, truth. Father, how wimpy life would be if all we heard about was grace, grace, grace. We thank you that you show us grace by speaking truth to us. Father, we come to you with empty hands. You show us grace. Father, speak to us again today through your truth and through your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Now, guys, I have, you know, in my whole time at CFCC, um, I've never been more disappointed. All right. I mean, speaking of wimps, Kevin wimped out last week, did he not? He said, Dale, I might have hit someone in the head with that, with that prop. And um, Mike and Tina have been gone for a while, and they're thinking, Dale has lost his mind. But guys, in the series Balanced, um, I, I want you to see some things. All right, and this prop helps us see some things. In fact, a good friend of mine told me, Dell, they're gonna remember the prop. They will not remember your messages, all right? So um, let's look at this prop, all right? Um, there are some laws of physical balance associated with this prop. And there are some laws of balance when it comes to your personal finances, all right? The first one is you must maintain focus. Notice that my eye is up there, all right? The minute I, hey, hey, the minute I take my eye off the dollar sign, 
it falls. Maintain focus. And so there's a corny saying that we said over and over again, you've got to be knowing where your money's going. All right. You've got to be knowing where your money's going. And the first Sunday, that was the first message. All right. Is on maintaining focus. Now, listen up. There is nothing more spiritual when it comes to finances than knowing where your money's going. If you don't know where your money's going, you're not managing your money. And don't assume because you have lots of money that you can just let your money go, that you don't need to maintain focus. What happens is, is you often waste, waste money. I know some wealthy people who have got themselves in some terrible financial predicaments. Lots of money did not mean financial security. It meant financial disaster, okay? You know, the more money we have, the bigger toys we have often. Sometimes the bigger debts we have, all right? So maintain focus. Second is you really have to understand what your clear objective is, all right? Your clear objective. My objective when it comes to physical balance is maintain this pole vertically, all right? Yes, you're making constant corrections, but you are also keeping that vertical, all right? So there is one objective when it comes to your personal finances. Oh, there's a lot of things that are not evil. Caring for your family is not evil, guys. I think, you know, God wants me and wants Jennifer to care for our family financially. In fact, Paul says at one point that someone who doesn't care for their family, I mean, a harsh term is worse than an infidel. That's crazy. So it's not an evil focus. Maybe saving for retirement uh, is your focus, right? Uh, Maybe just having a blast, spending all you can spend, making all you can make is your priority. But I'm telling you at the end of the day, there is a scriptural priority or a main goal for our finances and it's honoring God. You hear that? Honoring God. I have a friend who's um, launched a couple companies, sold a company, Uh, has another company. He'll sell it probably in the next two or three years. Uh, He's made more money in the sale of one company probably than I've made in most of my life. All right. So I've seen him make some stupid financial decisions. We vacation together. He's a very close friend, one of my best friends. And, And so he said something the other day. Remember, I've seen him blow it. And we were talking about retirement and we were talking about homes and maybe land and different things. We were talking about where you might retire and and he really encouraged me. He said, Dale, at the end of the day, where I end up needs to honor God because at the end of the day, that's the main thing. If we're not honoring God, we're not gonna be totally happy We're not going to find the life God has in store for us about honoring him last. 
constant corrections. You see what my hand is doing. Uh, We talked about making constant corrections when it comes to what? Anyone want to tell me? Debt. Debt will kill us if we're not careful. We buy things we don't need to impress people either we don't like or don't even know. All right? Debt. Debt, the um, debtor is a slave to the lender. That's not Dale's statement. That comes directly from God's word. The debtor is a slave to the lender. And we learn that God did not want the nation of Israel to be borrowers. He wanted them to be lenders. So the other nations might say, look at how great their God is. That's pretty cool. Last week, Kevin talked about the constant correction involving what we do with the extra in our life. He said we can be consumers and consume all the extra on me, my, and mine, or we can practice generosity. We can bless others, not just me, not just my, not just mine. And the fact of the matter is we most likely in this room, we all have extra. Now, if we're living paycheck to paycheck because of our indebtedness, it's difficult to have extra. But we all really do have extra if we make the best financial decisions. Today, we're going to look at another constant correction. You don't just make it once in your life. It's constant. And it ties in with the song. It is what we do with discontentment. Discontentment. That's a big word. You see, I believe discontentment drives many of our purchases. Discontentment. Discontentment will put us in a financial position when it comes to a car. We're driving a car we really don't need, right? There's nothing wrong with nice cars. I was admiring someone's Carvette in the back of the parking lot today. I think it's our guitarist. I mean, if you're a guitarist like that, you need a cool car. (laughs) This guy was incredible, was he not? But you see, it's one thing to be able to buy that car. I'm not necessarily saying just walk in and pay cash, but I am saying not living beyond our means. That's one thing. It's another to be living from paycheck to paycheck because of the car you drive. It's another to have really gone outside of your limits when it comes to the house you own, right? You don't need that house. You've overextended yourself. And so there's a principle here. Discontentment is the dissatisfaction I have with what I have, right? Dissatisfaction. I can't get no. It connects. It connects. Now listen to this principle. Discontentment, my discontentment drives my spending and my awareness 
fuels my discontentment. My awareness fuels my discontentment. Guys, if today you can connect dissatisfaction with awareness, awareness with dissatisfaction, uh, you've taken a huge step in the constant corrections needed to manage your finances. I want to illustrate with something simple, a home. All right? A home. So you have a home, you've been happy with your home for years, you've even done some upgrades to your home, but you go to your friend's new home and you go to the bathroom of all places in their new home. I mean, bathrooms are big deals today, right? And I'll tell you what I would love to have in my next home. I hope it's not discontentment, right? I'd love to have one of those big walk-in showers. It's like a car wash, right? You get shower heads coming out from all directions. I don't even know you need a rag. You just walk through, right? And just stand there. You know, granite countertops, I, I actually have to confess, we have them, we love them, but you know, for Mike, I actually worked, right? But when your friend has granite, you want granite. You know, and it's funny how we justify things. You know, we need a new house because it's not as energy efficient as it should be. So our new house is going to have foam insulation. That's why we need a new house. (laughs) Right? Come on now. (laughs) Kathy must want a new house. (laughs) Um. But you see that? It really is true. Awareness of someone else's possession often fuels our discontentment. Do you remember the day and time when we replaced something because it wore out? Or was broken, it cost more to fix it, right? Than it's worth? that day no longer exists. We don't replace anymore, we upgrade, right? Do you upgrade? I just figured I would Google, there's a electronics or something we upgraded. And yes, I mean, TVs are incredibly cheap today, huge TVs, but we don't always need to upgrade, you know? Phones are probably the most common thing we upgrade. I love my iPhone, I I confess. Do you know though that iPhone 10s start at over $1,000? They start at over $1,000. And by the way, you think your phone company's doing you all these favors to let you pay it out over time? Hello, you're paying more for it that way, right? You can get Apple Care in the phone and pay cash for it, and it is significantly cheaper than paying it out. Now, some of the older phones, there are deals on them, I admit. We upgrade. I visited my father last weekend, and um, I picked up some firewood, some white oak, some pecan to do some smoking, and um, smoked some ribs in a few weeks, and And I'm looking forward to that, looking forward to doing it and eating it both. 
right? My dad had a push mower. And my dad's in an assistant living facilities and we'll be selling the farm in the next few months. And uh, in fact, the house that my mom helped build, my mom um, would be 87 today and she helped build it when she was a young teenager. So it's an old house. I got this lawnmower. I, told my, I talked to my dad last night on the phone. He said, have you noticed we bought really good stuff? I said, y'all did buy really good stuff, dad. I said, dad, I, I brought the lawnmower home. I took off the little bowl off the carburetor. It had a bunch of junk in it. I actually had to sand it out. I changed the oil in the, I think, crankcase, whatever you call it. I put a little fuel treatment, it actually says tune up. I poured that fuel treatment in the half gallon tank. I pulled it once, nothing happened. I pulled it twice, the mower fired off. I pulled it three times, the mower started. It's not been cranked in over five years. The mower is 32 years old. I can tell you I probably would have upgraded that mower a long time ago. It's a Kubota. It's self-propelled. It's better than any mower I've ever owned. And it's 32 years old. Awareness fuels discontentment. Awareness fuels discontentment. And we often upgrade things. Maybe it's small things, but upgrading enough small things leads to indebtedness and it can cause problems in our lives. Awareness, in another word, appetite, goes hand in hand. Appetite. You know, we get hungry. You ever been hungry and all you, you know, some of you are thinking about smoked ribs right now. (laughs) You ever get hungry and that's all you can think about? I tell you, when we, when our awareness of something is elevated, all we think about is that new phone or that new TV or that new house or that land in the country or whatever it might be. We research the electronics. I mean, research kills us these days, right? Because, you know, if I buy that diesel truck, it won't be broken until it has 100,000 miles on it. And, and so that might be the last truck I ever own. That sounds something like some I'd tell Jennifer, right? You know, if we get that home, that will be the last home we ever own. So our appetite is elevated. You know what happens to an appetite? You can feed it well and it doesn't erase the appetite. You say, well, yeah, it does, Dale. Not for good. I don't care how big a meal I eat. You know what happens when I feed my appetite? If I'm not careful, it grows. You ever been there? You feed your appetite and it grows. 
This comes into play in terms of material things. It comes into play just the the love of stuff. Big boys have big toys and they get bigger, right? It comes in some other areas. You know, alcohol is not an evil thing, but if you feed and feed and feed and feed that appetite, it can dominate and even destroy your life. Prescription drugs intended for good, but can be devastating. God created a sexual relationship. It's a beautiful thing. And yet there are many sex addicts in our world today, right? So how do we deal with the appetite? Well, actually we do something that is counterintuitive. We starve it. We don't feed it all the time. Starving your appetite's not a bad thing. Jesus called starving your appetite something in particular. He called it fasting. You know what's amazing? If you've ever fasted for a long, long time, believe it or not, your appetite goes away. It actually goes away. Now, at the beginning, what happens is every, you would not believe how much advertisement there is for food. Billboards, TV, magazines, internet. But that appetite will eventually diminish. Turn with me in your Bibles. We have a a fairly long passage, but one passage today. A critical passage. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul is instructing Timothy, who is a pastor, with some principles that he is to share, he is to impart to followers of Jesus in the church he pastors. And so these aren't Dale's words, these are Paul's words that God led Paul to share with followers of Jesus just like you and me. He talks to people first who don't have much, and then he talks to people who have a whole bunch. He talks to those who long to have a lot, and he talks to those who have a lot. And so bottom line, he talks to all of us, to all of us. The poorest person in this room lives um, at a higher level, right, than the vast, 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 that is no exaggeration, of the people in the world, of the people in the whole world. So be careful when it comes to your definition of being rich. Chapter six, verse six. But godliness with contentment is great gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation, into a snare, 
into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving, sounds like an appetite, doesn't it? I've not made this stuff up. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. I I would like to just break down this passage for a few moments. Break down this passage. First of all, when, when we look at that first verse, first verse, great gain in godliness with contentment. Great gain. Paul is redefining wealth, the New Living Translation. There is great wealth in godliness plus contentment. What is godliness? It's seeking to live like Jesus. It's seeking to honor God with your life. It's seeking to please God, right? As followers of Jesus, even though that might seem way out of reach, that should be the goal of all of our lives. Godliness, but godliness with what? With contentment. Contentment. What is contentment? I'm satisfied. Uh, I'm happy that you have something incredible, but I'll be satisfied with what I have. I'm not going to be jealous of you or covetous when it comes to what you have. I'm going to be satisfied. I'm making actually a choice. A choice. Godliness plus contentment equals great gain or great wealth. Now look at this next verse, verse seven. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. Now we saw that a few weeks ago in our message, right? It doesn't matter what you amass uh, materially, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. We're going to see Paul redefine this great wealth. And he says, there is a wealth that you can take with you. I tell you, I think we need to hear about that wealth. That's something that should be important to us. Guys, there is nothing wrong with being wealthy. Nothing. Some inherit wealth. Some build their wealth. They start from nothing. I was talking to my father-in-law yesterday and we were talking about a friend of mine who has a lot of wealth. In fact, it's the same friend. You remember I said he blew a lot of money. We blew money on the first farm ranch he owned. He sold it at a loss. He lost three to $400,000. That's mind-boggling to me. 
My father-in-law says, well, his parents must have gave him a lot of money. I said, actually, he was raised poor. His dad was a barber. Okay? It goes back to what I said at the beginning. You can blow a lot of money. Just because you have wealth doesn't mean you're a good money manager. Right? We cannot take anything out of the world. Look at verse 8. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. That's not true. That's absolutely not true. Say, Dale, are you contesting God's word? No, I'm contesting our culture. That's not true. In fact, you take food and clothing for granted. In fact, most of you in this room have never been hungry because you lacked food. I'm saying for days, for weeks. My dad was raised during the Depression. He's 91 years old. There was a time in years he hated sweet potatoes because he brought a sweet potato in a can to school. That was his lunch. I've never experienced that. I've had food and clothing my whole life and I've been more discontent most of my life than I've been content. Can you be honest and say you're in the same boat? See, it's good. It's really good for us to look in a mirror and see ourselves differently. Guys, awareness in my life fuels discontentment. Is it? I, I'm not in a different world than you. I live in the same world you live in and that is how our call, we wouldn't have an advertising industry if what I just said was not true. Let's look at verse nine. But those who desire to be rich. So there's just common conclusion, simple conclusion, they're not rich. They're wanting to be something they're not. Uh, and, and you might say, well, I'm not rich, Dale. Well, okay. Do you desire to be? If you don't desire to be well off, or at least to have it a whole lot better than you do now, you're almost not American. Guys, we are, we're, we're, I believe the greatest nation on the face of the earth, but materialism dominates our culture. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare. A snare is a trap. Once you're caught, you typically can't get out. So be careful. This isn't a joke. He doesn't say they might fall into temptation and they might fall into a snare. He says they do. Into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin 
and destruction. Does that sound serious? Am I making this up? Financial destruction is a real possibility. Financial ruin is a real possibility. And it's not because you lose your job. It's because you choose to live outside your means. It's because awareness fuels discontentment. And we want the appetite, feed me, feed me, feed me. Marriages are destroyed because of finances. I would call that ruin. Debt consolidation, debt consolidation, debt consolidation, one after another, ruin. Bankruptcy usually is the answer, right? If you've been there, all I have to say is I'm thankful for the gospel. I hope you are as well. I have a friend who filed bankruptcy. Their story, their faith story is incredible. that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Look at verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Do you love money? Don't answer. Sometimes I want you to answer. If Clay was here, he would answer. Do you love money? Say, Dale, I don't love money, but I like money. Many of you are married, and at the very least, you've been in a serious dating relationship. You probably did some senseless things when you were chasing after that person you love. Come on now, be honest. Jennifer lived probably 180, 200 miles from me when we were dating. We met in college. We were like summer missionaries and she in New Mexico, I in Appalachia. We were a long ways away. We did some dumb things. We love each other, right? You lose objectivity when you're in love, right? Say, we were stupid, Dale. You probably were. When I counsel, um, do premarital counseling, one of the things that almost is always the case is I just tell them, you're looking through rose-colored glasses and it doesn't matter what I tell you, you're not gonna see straight. You're not gonna think right. Now think about this. Love. Love. Not the love of a person, but the love of money. It is through this craving that some have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. The love of money. Don't, don't chase after riches. Don't desire riches above all things. 
Good work ethic is fantastic. Solid retirement is fantastic. Good investment is fantastic. But be careful. Your awareness, your want, not your need, your want produces dissatisfaction and dissatisfaction can destroy you. Not hurt you. Paul says destroy you. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Another translation, run. Run. You know, I would never go into a cage with a lion. Would you? There were cheetahs on the uh, Masai Mari, I believe is what it's called, when we went to Kenya. Cheetahs. Uh, a group of cheetahs. We were having a picnic under a tree about less than a mile from a group of cheetahs. I'm telling you right now, I was doing this every now and then. I didn't want to be their lunch. I was enjoying my lunch. I didn't want to be their lunch. Run. Flee. There was a coral snake found in our neighborhood uh, a few weeks ago. I've never seen a coral snake other than at a zoo. I've seen rattlesnakes, copperheads, water moccasins, but never a coral snake. It's very interesting to me. I guarantee I would not pick up that coral snake in my hand like this. It was not a bandit king snake. It was a coral snake. Red and yellow will. There you go. I'd never do it. Never. You better watch it, guys. Loving money is life-threatening. Flee, run. But here's something good. Pursue, pursue righteousness, pursue godliness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue steadfastness and gentleness. Do right. Do right. I kind of pride myself that I... I can remember a phase from 20 years ago. I mean, years ago. I think I know them, Jennifer. Oh, Dale, no, you don't know them. (laughs) Please, Dale, don't say anything. You know, but I guarantee you, if I just happen to be, let's say I'm at Disney World, right? And I see a sweet mate from college and I guarantee if I saw them at a distance, I would pursue them. I try to catch up with them. I would tap them on the shoulder. Pursue godliness. Pursue steadfastness. Last passage. We need to wrap it up. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty, on the what of riches, You can have it today and lose it tomorrow. Have it today, lose it in a year. Have it today, lose it in five years. Have based your whole retirement on having this and the stock market crash. I saw it happen. You did too. The uncertainty of riches. Don't be proud. Don't be puffed up. 
Don't be arrogant. Don't look down on other people because they don't have what you have. Right? Nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. That's where you set your hope. Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. I'm thankful. I want to enjoy life. What about you? Not, not everything to just, to just move through drudgery. No, to enjoy. Look at verse 19. Oh, here it is. There to do good and to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. You see, hanging on, it's a trap. Letting go. It's a blessing. You, you want to be inoculated when it comes to greed? Then practice generosity. You know, from time to time, we post needs in the church. Meet a need. We talk about mission trips. Many of you, your health doesn't allow you to go across the world. Maybe your work doesn't allow you to go across the world. But you know, you can pray for someone and you can help fund someone's trip. It just happened a few weeks ago. Be generous. Help someone in need. Thus storing up, look at this, treasure as a good foundation for the future. This is about heaven. Jesus said, don't store up riches where moth and rust corrupt or where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasure in heaven. I'll tell you, I don't get this completely. It's kind of mind boggling, is it not? But generosity prepares us for the life to come so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. I'd like you to reflect on a few questions. Here they go. Question one, what creates material discontentment in you? What creates it? What are you chomping at the bit right now for? Slow down. It's okay to slow down unless, unless your car's broke, right? I, I mean broke. I mean like broke, right? The motor's shot. Slow down. Does the mall create discontentment? Does the home show create discontentment? Does the RV show create discontentment? Does the boat show create discontentment? What creates discontentment? Now, if your friend's house creates discontentment, you got a problem because I hope you'll still visit your friend, right? What is it? Second question. What do you need to become less aware of? This, this is squelching that appetite. Stop feeding it. It's really the same answer to these two questions, but I want you to think of it, about it from different angles. Third What could you do this week? Don't wait a month or a year. What could you do this week to become more aware of someone else, of what someone else doesn't have? 
I would say slow down and open your eyes. Could be a coworker. I don't know, it could be a neighbor. Could be a family member. I'm not talking about enabling. I'm talking about showing the love of Jesus. Next question. What should you become more discontent over? Trick question. Should you be discontent over the amount of time you spend in scripture? See, pursuing godliness is going to involve God's word. Should you be discontent about the amount of time you spend in prayer? Should you be discontent with the fact that you were once connected like this in this church or in another church and you're just sitting in the shadows right now? See, I can tell you God's will in all of those areas. It's not rocket science. What should you be discontent in regard to? As we prepare for communion today, I want you to reflect on the one who truly satisfies. I want to remind you that we have a hole in our soul that this world cannot satisfy. Jesus satisfies. Jesus is living water that we drink and we don't thirst again. But if we allow awareness to drive our discontentment, we will be thirsty till the day we die. Jesus wanted you to be satisfied. He gave his life. He shed his blood. He came and lived on this earth. When you celebrate communion today, might you tell God, I want to be satisfied in Jesus and Jesus alone. Show me where I'm dissatisfied and help me to turn my focus on Jesus. If today what I've said has struck a nerve or maybe even made you feel not so good, Live under the gospel. Don't live in guilt. God wants something for you. He doesn't want something from you. I don't say that because it sounds good. I say that because it is the absolute truth. God wants us to live in freedom. Father, we thank you for the freedom that is found in Christ We thank you for the fact that we've been loved with an everlasting love. We thank you that it is by your grace that you teach us that the things of this world, the stuff of this world, the riches of this world do not ultimately satisfy. Father, thank you that Jesus satisfies. May we celebrate 
this life and love right now. In Jesus' name, amen. We have prayer counselors up front. We have individuals serving communion up front. Um, I'm going to ask them to come forward at this time uh, as we continue to worship. beautiful song from I can't get no satisfaction to only you only you can truly satisfy my soul maybe you're thirsting maybe you're hungry today maybe you're longing for a new start in your life. Maybe you realize that you've chosen your way, your way, your way over God's way again and again. And you're longing for life. And you've heard again and again that Christ alone satisfies. And you're ready. You're ready to start that journey. Our prayer partners are here. Our staff will be up here after the service. Uh, We'd love to visit with you.